Drin Hozo. Before I start, I want to acknowledge that this podcast is recorded and broadcasted on the traditional territory of the Trondakwichin First Nation. My heart is deeply broken to hear about the 215 children who were discovered near the city of Kamloops, BC during a survey of the ground on the land of a previous residential school that closed in 1969. Some of these children were as young as three years old. Canada has a very dark and horrific history of genocide in residential schools. It is extremely important to educate yourself and your families, do your research, gain knowledge, show respect, and radiate love. I am sending love and prayers to British Columbia and to all of the Indigenous communities across our country. Every child matters. North America is in the middle of conducting severely disgusting experiments on humans. A rock and roll superstar accidentally kills himself. And the hottest redhead on TV is actually a brunette. So on the topic of systemic racism, welcome to 1954. Hello lovely humans, welcome to Welcome to Nostalgia. I'm your host, Lindsay Burse, and today we are covering 1954, era of sexism and racism. So, 1954, what do you think of? For me, I think of sock hops and boppy music, Buddy Holly, those are the things that I think of. Digging into 1954, at first, I thought that it was a little blah. And, you know, there were some cool things that came out of 1954 for sure, but I did have to dig a little bit deeper to find some, like, interesting hooks, I guess. And boy, did I find some. So let's start off with music, since we're on the topic of racism. The song Earth Angel by the Penguins. Four black young high school students wrote and recorded in a garage. They brought the song to a small black-run label called Dutone. It was a huge success, like most of the black artists in the 50s. However, white performers would do covers of these songs and gain more success. So the song Earth Angel had its time with the crew cuts, whose name clearly screams conformity. This also happened to Little Richard multiple times. This world is fucked. Be a good human. The song Mr. Sandman by the Cordettes. We know the character Sandman. He is a traditional character of Scandinavian folklore, I think. He said he's said to sprinkle sand or dust into your eyes like a psycho while you're trying to sleep and he brings dreams. The grit or the sleep that's in your eyes when you wake up is from the Sandman's work. The Sandman also became a Marvel Mysteries comic character, and he lives in the land of dreams, which is located in the realm of fairies, the potentially imaginary world of nowhere. Okay, and another song that was big in 1954 was um, Shake, Rattle, and Roll by Big Joe Turner. Apparently, in the 50s, because it was so conservative, they would hide sexual remarks and sexual innuendos in their music. Shake, Rattle, and Roll apparently was a big controversial sexy song. One of the lines that they had 
that was considered too sexy was one-eyed cat peeking in a seafood store. Innuendo for that. The one-eyed cat reference is a bit of a giveaway. Um, Cats obviously love seafood, but why only one eye? Think about a one-eyed trouser snake. Now substitute a seafood store for a woman's private part, which often crudely equated with smelling like fish. Anyway, you get the idea. It gives a whole new meaning to the song Shake, Rattle, and Roll. So Bill Haley and his Comets recorded the song in 1954. Now Haley was actually blind in one eye, so it gave him a bit of an excuse in a cover story for his dirty line. Furthermore, Haley toned down the naughty lyrics considerably from one of the original blues versions, which was written by Charles Calhoun, who first recorded it with Big Joe Turner. So Haley recorded his version as more of a rock and roll version, all in the name of making a song more palatable for white audiences. And that is just touching very lightly on the racism in the music industry in the 50s. It actually makes me really sad to know that these songs were stolen because I actually grew up on this music when I was younger and my parents had these three rock and roll tapes that I always listened to and I was in dance at the time and so I always would dance to them and now it's clear that I have to go and find the original versions by the original artists and not pay into the systemic racism of the 50s. I apologize if you heard my cat in the background. He wanted to go outside, probably because I was talking about a one-eyed cat going to a seafood store. And that is music. Moving on to the movies of 1954. Movies, 1954. One of the biggest movies that came out in 1954 was Alfred Hitchcock's Rear Window. Now, if you haven't seen it, it is a very good movie. I know The Simpsons have done a take on it before. Rear Window touches on the subject of voyeurism and makes the audience uncomfortable watching through the rear window. In 2007, the movie Disturbia with Shia LaBeouf came out, and it's kind of a modern-day retelling of the story. Voyeurism, if you don't know what that is, is actually the enjoyment of seeing the pain or distress of others and the practice of gaining sexual pleasure from watching others when they're naked or engaged in sexual activity or being hurt. There's um, a really messed up documentary on Netflix called Voyeur, and it's about a voyeur, and he takes you in to this hotel that he owned walks you through all of the places and things that he did and the things that he saw and it is horrifically disturbing and very similar to Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. So there you go. Another wonderfully misogynistic musical that came out in 1954 was Seven Brides for Seven Brothers which is kind of funny because I loved that movie when I was little and I know my brothers did too. I actually have it on DVD but I haven't seen it probably since I was a kid. And Seven Brides for Seven Brothers is about a guy. He goes into town to find a wife and he finds one. She's so happy because she's been in a bar and she's been tending to all of these men. And now she's going off into the woods with this man and she only has one person to take care of. But they get there and oh, he's got six brothers. So she is like, I'm not going to take care of you and your six brothers. Let's go kidnap my sisters and make them marry your brothers and then everybody will be happy. 
So the slogan for the movie literally is Adam abducted Millie. Benjamin brought Dorcas. Oh no, her name's Dorcas? Oh. <laughs> Caleb caught Ruth. Daniel detained Martha. Ephraim eloped with Liza. Frank fetched Sarah. And Gideon grabbed Alice. That is messed up. All I remember from that movie is the barn raising musical. I really loved it. I think I'm going to watch it. And the most famous person in America during the 1950s, well, 1954 specifically, was the actor John Wayne, who was a super racist bigot and homophobic celebrity that America just loved. All of that information was actually exposed in an interview in Playboy that John Wayne did back in 1971. And the things that came out of his mouth are super disturbing. And some of the things that John Wayne actually ended up saying in the interview, he kept going on about perverted films like Easy Rider and Midnight Cowboy. He described the, the characters in the latter film with a homophobic slur and then went on to explain that only men and women should have sexual intercourse. He said, I believe in white supremacy, as he spoke harshly about African Americans, saying, we can't all of a sudden get down on our knees and turn everything over to the leadership of the blacks. I don't believe in giving authority and positions of leadership and judgment to irresponsible people. Of slavery, he said that he didn't feel guilty about the U.S. history. I don't feel guilty about the fact that five or ten generations ago these people were slaves. Now I'm not condoning slavery, it's just a fact of life. Like the kid who gets infantile paralysis and has to wear braces so he can't play football like the rest of us. He also spoke harshly about Native Americans and had no empathy for them. He said, I don't feel we did wrong in taking this great country away from them, if that's what you're asking. Our so-called stealing of this country from them was just a matter of survival. There were great numbers of people who needed new land, and the Indians were selfishly trying to keep it for themselves. So, John Wayne's a giant piece of shit. I have no respect for that man. Okay, moving on to literature. 1954 in literature killed it. Killed it. It's so good. First of all, Lord of the Flies by William Golding came out. If you haven't read that book in high school, you should. I feel like they've replaced it with The Hunger Games, but you should go back and read Lord of the Flies. There's also a few movies that have been adapted. They were doing a remake, but I think it got canceled. Anyway, Lord of the Flies, fantastic movie. And Stephen King actually took the name Castle Rock from the book. The book, um, and the book is in three of his movies. King's Castle Rock that's in his movies ended up inspiring Rob Reiner's Castle Rock Entertainment. So... There you go. The circle of life. All stems from the Lord of the Flies. The other Lord that was born in 1954 is the Lord of the Rings by J.R.R. Tolkien. The Fellowship and the Two Towers both came out in 1954. Return of the King came out the next year. I'm a huge Lord of the Rings fan. Yes to the books, but I will admit that Peter Jackson's version of the movies is what actually got me hooked. Stanley Kubrick actually considered making an adaptation of the books into film, but he thought that it would be absolutely impossible. So then in the 80s, there was the animated movie, and then of course, Peter Jackson saved the day in 2001. 
I will never forget watching the first movie, it ending with Frodo and Sam getting out of the river and just standing there and then looking across all the valleys at Mordor. And then it just ended and we had to wait until the next movie came out in theaters a year later. And the anticipation of that, gosh, it was such a good series. I fell in love with it so much. Also, one of my favorite video games of all time, one of my best friends, Kayla, is the Return of the King game on PlayStation. Her and I were obsessed with that and finished it multiple times. I was always Legolas and she was always Aragorn. Anyway, we'll get into Lord of the Rings later, I'm very sure. Okay, what other messed up stuff happened in 1954? Well, hey kids, what time is it? It's howdy doody time. That's it. Howdy doody. I'm kidding. But there were slogans like that. Another slogan that's popular still today is melts in your mouth, not in your hands. Winston tastes good like a cigarette should. Winston cigarettes. Okay, rock and roll, rhythm and blues singer Johnny Ace, known for his hits like My Song, Cross My Heart, and The Clock, died in the back change room at a show with a group of people as he was showing them a gun and he was jokingly swinging it around and someone told him to put it away the gun's dangerous he said it's okay the gun's not loaded see and accidentally shot himself in the head in front of everybody and he was only 25 years old which is extremely sad an interesting fact in bombay india is that they had such a bad rat problem that they began accepting dead rats to pay taxes and it actually led to the mass breeding and killing of rats to use them for payment so that's a fun fact. Philly-born pool player Willie Moscone sunk 526 pool balls without missing in Springfield, Ohio. And no one has ever come close to breaking that record. That's interesting. Something that was super controversial in 1954? Comic books. Fringe psychologist Frederick Wortham's book Seduction of the Innocent claimed that the most juvenile delinquents would read comic books. It also asserted that Batman and Robin were gay lovers and that Wonder Woman was a lesbian. It caused an outcry that led to the establishment of the Comics Code Authority. And the new rules of the Comics Code Authority included, in every instance, good shall always triumph over evil. No comic magazine shall use the word horror or terror in its title. And all characters shall be depicted in dress reasonably acceptable to society. Oh, the 50s. On April 11th, 1954, it was the most boring day in history, according to a computer program tracking the news. The most noteworthy event that happened that day was that a general election in Belgium happened and the birth of a Turkish academic. Sounds like a good day. No bad news. Cigarettes, they were a hot commodity in the 50s. Until the introduction of the Marlboro Man in 1954, Marlboro cigarettes were actually considered feminine and marketed to women with the slogan, mild as may. Ann Hodges is the only verified person in history that has been hit by a meteorite and survived. The meteorite fell and struck her on November 30th, 1954. So the meteorite actually struck in Oak Grove, Alabama, 
The meteorite was the size of a grapefruit, and it crashed through the roof of a farmhouse, bounced off of a large wooden console radio, and then hit Hodges while she was on the couch napping. She was 34 years old, and she got a super bad bruise on one side of her body, but she was still able to walk, which is actually impressive. There's also a fabulous photo of her looking super grumpy holding the meteorite, and it's kind of it's kind of cute. Now it's time for the Brooklyn Thrill Killers and the Great Comic Book Scare. Again, comic books, I tell ya. Brooklyn Thrill Killers were a gang of teenage boys who, during the summer of 1954, killed two men, one by drowning and one by beating, and committed acts of assault and torture against several other people in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, the case actually attracted considerable amount of media to the United States. Uh, it was also fueled over the controversy of comic books, which were accused at the time of causing sexual perversion and juvenile delinquency. The four boys roamed the streets of Brooklyn, assaulting girls and beating up vagrants. Kazlow, who was one of the boys and read comic books, saw himself as a crime-fighting hero and believed that his actions would help the police to restore law and order. So I guess blaming video games and blaming music and all of that stuff, common. Cleveland neurosurgeon Dr. Sam Shepard was charged in July of 1954 for the murder of his 31-year-old pregnant wife, Marilyn, while their 7-year-old son slept in the room next door. Shepard was found guilty, he appealed, and eventually the U.S. Supreme Court overturned his conviction on the grounds that excessive publicity was unfairly influencing the trial. He was acquitted at the retrial. Until his death in 1970, Shepard sought to find his wife's killer, a mission his family continues to this day. Now, he had said that he was innocent, and he implicated a dark-haired man. This is actually where the one-armed man from the Fugitive TV series and the movie is inspired, was this case. That's kind of interesting. And the United States, good old USA, doing human experiments. I don't know if you have heard of MKUltra at all. If you don't know what MKUltra is, I feel like you need to Google that. I don't know that I can explain it to you, but it was a brainwashing project in the US. Anyway, in 1954, human experiments for the QK Hilltop Project had started. And this was the U.S. using using ancient Chinese brainwashing techniques on different people. And Montreal actually ended up adapting these techniques and using them. So Canada, you're not innocent again in this. And we're talking, you know, torture, hypnotizing, sleep deprivation, all of these horrid different, like giving them drugs and trying new things, trying inventing truth serums and stuff like that to try and be able to control minds. There's a documentary on Netflix called Wormwood that gets deep into the MK Ultra lad brainwashing and experiments on humans. Also, if you just generally Google the most horrific human experiments in the world, it is off there. It's so much messed up stuff that has happened. I don't want to get into a bunch because if I end up picking a year, I could jump down that rabbit hole. But there's things like the Stanford experiment. You should, I believe there's movies about it. There's also an episode of Veronica Mars where they did that. And that's one of my most favorite TV shows in the world. But the Stanford experiment, you know, taking a group of people, making half of them prisoners and half of them guards, and then giving them different rules and watching the abuse and the torture that ended up coming from these people who were the guards. It's 
really disturbing, but also very interesting. And you would think that we would learn, God willing. TV shows that came out in 1954, we're talking I Love Lucy, number one. And I Love Lucy was actually originally a radio show called My Favorite Husband. The actors that played Fred and Ethel actually ended up hating each other. And sadly, William Frawley and Vivian Vance had to force themselves to be affectionate towards one another on the show. Uh, the conflict was so deep that it even prevented them from getting a spin-off after the series ended because they refused to work together. Frawley apparently was a heavy drinker. Also, I Love Lucy was the very first television show to ever have reruns, which was groundbreaking because it was on film and not Kinziscope. Kinziscope? They had to run reruns because Lucille Ball was pregnant. And she's not a redhead. She's a brunette. The Jackie Gleason show was also very big, and that stemmed off into The Honeymooners. And Jackie Gleason actually almost sued Hanna-Barbera because of the Flintstones, which was obviously a huge take off of The Honeymooners, but he didn't want to be known as the guy who killed Fred Flintstone. So he didn't. And then we've got Dragnet, You Bet Your Life. TV was pretty blah back in the 50s. But you know what wasn't blah? The price of stuff back then. Damn, that's cheap. Here we go. The average cost of a new car was $1,700 US. $1,700. It's amazing. Rent was average at $85 a month. The average wage per year was $4,100. Bracelet hot shoes were $389. Calfskin pumps were $489. Off the shoulder bra, all the garmer of a strapless was $1.47. The Playtex Magic Controller Latex Girdle which sounds super comfortable, was $7.95. The rocket bicycle headlight was $1.89. And the first RCA color TVs were released for the public, and it cost $1,000, which is the equivalent of $9,927 today. Also, just to give you a bit of an idea, $100 in 1954 is about the equivalent of $1,000 today. So, my fellow humans, there you go, 1954. Please take these lessons and learn from them. Be a kind human. Don't be angry. And don't troll people on the internet. It's not healthy. Just be nice. Feels good. Feels good to be kind. So that's it for today. And if you've got a little bit of extra time on your hands, why don't you Google the residential schools that are around you or around where you grew up? Get a little bit of info because it's going to help everybody. Take care. Bye, everyone. Mm -hmm.